0: This music's almost the theme for today a little bit. This is how I feel like the U.S. House of Representatives is going into every... every It's the wild, wild west. (laughs) (laughs) There are no rules. Be the wild east, I think. The wild east. DC is in the east. 608-785-7914. That's the talking text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Trigowski is on now. Happy Friday, Rick. And UW. Oh wait, what did I? What am I doing? Um. We had Tim Dale on a couple days ago. Did you get to listen to that? I did. Did uh, I did. Did you have any takes from having your colleague on where you're like, nope, Tim, that's not, you know, I don't know.
1: I I agree with everything Tim says. Of course. Uh, No, what I thought Tim made a really good point about is that we talk so much about these divides between the two parties and the political divide is very real. It's historic. We haven't seen a political divide like this for a very long time. But that's between the two parties. There's also real serious divides within each party, and that's been on full display during the House of Representatives votes for Speaker this week. So I thought that Tim made an important point that we also need to be very attentive to these divides within each party. And right now, we're just seeing the divides within the Republican Party. It looks like they are on their way to making an agreement for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker, but it has taken a while, and we have seen an unusual process, a process that that we haven't seen in certainly over a century. So uh, I think that what happens within the Republican Party right now is going to be just very interesting to watch.
0: The, yeah, the, often you'll see the stories are like, a dis, I don't know if disaster is the word, but there's there's these negative connotations for what's going on because we haven't, like you said, a literally 100 years since the last time they didn't just vote for a speaker. Um, but... I, I don't see it as, as that big of a debacle. It's just like you have a couple of people that are, you have a razor thin margin. You have a couple of people. We'll see. Like, I want, I know I want to get your perspective on this, but in like five minutes, we're going to get another perspective on this. Retired U.S. House member Ron Kind is going to join us, uh, replaced by Derek Van Orden. Kind of like, I don't know if Derek Van Orden is the opposite of Ron Kind, but Derek Van Orden is a very far right. Uh, Republican, Ron Kind, really down the middle, Democrat, Democrat. Um Though Derek Van Orden seems to be trying to reel it in a little bit.
1: It's a really interesting thing that I want Ron Kine's take on, Rick, because we do know that Derek Van Orden was portrayed as an extremist during the campaign. His presence in D.C. during January 6th, his position on abortion, other things used during the campaign to portray him as politically extreme. But now we're seeing Derek Van Orden talk about his desire to work across the aisle to work with Democrats, to try to find common ground. So it's an interesting shift in tone now that he has been elected and maybe eventually will be sworn into the House of Representatives if we get a speaker. Is it a weird time to have that shift? I feel like that's a campaign Slogan, it's it's, not a, 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 it's very unusual to see this timing rick because normally during the campaign is when you talk about your desire to work with others and to be cooperative and to seek out compromise that's typically a strong campaign message so again, it's the, interesting that that shift in tone is coming now after the campaign is over
0: then again the campaign was to not talk to the media not debate anybody and and just hold these like Not even rallies. He would have little meetings and then tell the media, hey, we had a meeting a couple of days ago and, and some people showed up. But you don't even know who showed up.
1: It's a major change in Derek Van Orden's strategy. He has hired a top Wisconsin communications pro, Anna Kelly, who used to work with the Wisconsin Republican Party. He's hired her to manage his communications in D.C., and so you've seen Derek Van Orden take a different approach towards the media, where he really did not talk to the media during the campaign. And now he's talking to the media more. He did a major interview with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, where he talked about January 6 and just talked in general terms, I should say, about political violence and how he condemns political violence. And obviously, January 6 has been a major, I mean, it's the second anniversary of January 6 riots today, January 6, 2021, where there was the major riot on Capitol Hill. And so it is the second anniversary of that. We know that Derek Van Orden was in D.C. on January 6th. He said that it was all about election integrity and that he condemns political violence. Of course, that's a message that could have come out during the campaign as
0: well. It's funny to condemn political violence now that you're a politician. Like, And he said he's always, or over the past two years, he's he's been condemning political violence since January 6th. I've always, I, I condemn just all political violence I mean, for yeah, my whole life. We we condemn political violence here on Lacrosse Talk PM. I mean you could maybe <laughs> scrounge up an example where there I don't even know what political violence I mean January sixth is maybe the best example of that, right? Sure. Fresh in our heads. And Certainly we'll get, in recent memory. And we'll get Ron Kine's take on that. Obviously Ron Kine came on January sixth two years ago today with me and Tragowski or Tragowski and me and and kind of broke down his experience in the House of Representatives or well, I guess he was probably in the house, right? Literally in the yeah, house, literally in the Capitol. That. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll get his we'll we'll have him recap that just a little bit, and then just I kind of want to know what he thinks of the January sixth House Committee. Uh, now that it's disbanded, what what he thinks any outcomes will be from that. You got anything you want to?
1: Yeah, what his next move is career-wise. We've heard some different rumors that he might be working for the Biden administration. We've also heard that he might go into other fields. So not really clear what Ron Kind is going to do now. Also very interested in his perspective on the election that was held between Brad Paff and Derek Van Orden. I was looking at some data today, Rick, just to prepare for this and found that Brad Paff did very well in the county but didn't do so well in the more sparsely populated counties surrounding lacrosse so wondering what ron kind thinks of that why did brad path do very well in lacrosse county but not as well in the more rural counties surrounding us
0: i believe that's the same thing that happened when in his senate race as well yeah it was uh it's kind of how he got, he basically lacrosse county elected which happens i think for most most reps in this area that that are beyond you know, that encompassed the city of Lacrosse, but also beyond
1: that. Absolutely, Rick. For example, Brad Paff got 58% of the vote in Lacrosse County for the 2022 election, but he only got 35% of the vote in Monroe County. So real, just a, an example of the real distinction between Lacrosse and the surrounding areas.
0: 608-785-7914 is the text line. Ron Khan coming up. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Crosse Talk, PM 608-785-7914 is the text line. UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski in studio with me, and now on the phone from an undisclosed location, probably on an island with an umbrella drink somewhere, uh, former <laughs> retired House uh, House member Ron Kind. Uh, yeah, Ron, how's it how's it going? You're six days retired now.
2: Well, it's surreal, because I do not miss being on the House floor right now with the chaos that erupted <laughs> there, but... Glad to be with you guys. Happy New Year, Ricardo, and the good professor. And uh, yeah, it's a different life that Tony and I are looking forward to. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, we we kind of have this list of things that we have on on the screen here to talk about. And then a uh, duh, yeah, we should get Ron Kind's perspective on what's happening in the house right now because uh, because you would be a part of this. This this makes retirement. I don't know if retirement's bittersweet for you, but this makes retirement very sweet for you because you would. What is it, eleven or twelve times, Chugaski? Is it up there yeah. up to twelve times? they voted no? On At least. At least 12 times. We, we, they've voted so many times, Ron, I can't keep count. But you would have to sit in here for all these things, right? I mean, you've done this before, but it's only taken one time.
2: Yeah, exactly. And this is not a good first impression for the new majority taking over the House. At the very least, they need to agree amongst themselves who they want their leader to be. And the fact that it's gone to 12 votes now, unprecedented in American history. Uh, there are national security implications because none of the new members have been sworn in. They don't get sworn in until there's a speaker to swear them in. So we're kind of in constitutional limbo right now, and I'm trying to find out. Maybe the professor knows the answer, but am I still on the clock? Because new (laughs) members have not been sworn in, so I I still might have to go back to Washington for a declaration of war or something. I'm not sure.
0: I I literally asked Tim Dale, the, the other political science professor at UWL, that and he said you're not you actually are not on the clock so you're not even gonna it's been you know you might get a paycheck in the mail tomorrow right like you you get the (laughs) friday paycheck comes on saturday
2: well no no, i i was gonna ask that was my next question am i still getting paid but i I contacted a lot of my colleagues this week who are on the floor and was wondering if they're getting paid and if they're not i'm gonna start sending setting up some GoFundMe accounts for them (laughs) because you know they got families they got to take care of and if they're not getting paid, that's, that's going to be kind of tough for some of them, at least.
0: Yeah, I don't think any of us have pity that the U.S. House members are getting paid, but all their staff might actually literally not be getting paid, right?
2: Yeah, yeah it's all in limbo. Until you're sworn in, you've got control of nothing, not your office budget. Uh, technically, they're not even supposed to be in their offices yet. Obviously, the committees aren't meeting, but here are the national security employees. The rest of the world's looking at us like a bunch of crazy fools that that House can't even agree on who the next speaker should be. And it makes us look weak and feckless in that we don't have our act together, and that only emboldens our enemies. And it's very dangerous for them to prolong this. And, of course, we know who we're talking about, a very small minority on the Republican side, but this may be a harbinger of things to come and expect over the next two years, which would be a disaster as far as getting things done for the American people.
0: Yeah, I don't think any of us have high expectations of a lot of legislation being done over the next years out of the house. Um, What what are your thoughts on Kevin McCarthy? Have you met him? Have you uh, worked together with him at
1: all?
2: I have, and I don't know him that well because he is sowing what he reaped right now. And uh, uh, this is the problem that he has when he was out backing candidates who do not care about good governance, who do not care about policy or getting things done. They only care about disruption and dysfunction and shutting and blowing the place up. And this also comes, guys, from a, a few decades' worth of, Republican philosophy of hate your government, that government can't do anything right, uh, that it's the enemy that must be destroyed. This is the manifestation of that Republican philosophy playing out before our eyes this week on the House floor. We've got this party that does not believe in good governance. So why would they agree to elect a speaker so that the committees can do their work and legislation can come forward? They're not interested in that. They're interested in January 6th and how they can uh, disrupt and blow the place up. And uh, that's that's a little bit scary as far as the next two years are concerned.
0: Yeah, my theory in all this is they don't care if the House ever— the only reason they would care that the House finally elects a speaker is so they can, um, you know, check out Hunter Biden's laptop or something like that.
2: Yeah, and my word of caution to the American people is be careful who you're voting for. I mean, if you want disruption, if you want chaos, if you want to look like a fool in internationally— This is what comes from casting your vote for candidates that will behave this way. And unfortunately now, um, our district is represented by one who participated with the mob on January 6th. He was on the wall of the Capitol. He's been lying about it ever since, directing other insurrectionists where to go. Derek Van Orden, I'm talking about. And I still think he still has to come clean in regards to the extent of his involvement, rather than just lying and and trying to move on from it, because it was a major blemish in American history. And it's a dark cloud that still hangs over us. And you still have election deniers that are going to take a run at this again in 2024. And this ultimately needs to get resolved within the Republican Party itself.
1: So Congressman Kine, Derek Van Orden made a comment to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel today saying, I don't regret supporting voter integrity, but if you look in hindsight, like the volume of stuff, the way that it could be interpreted, that I would support political violence, that is regretful. If that made people think that I support political violence, that is a regret because I don't support political violence. So i just wondering what your reaction is to Mr. Van Orden's comments. Well, my comments.
2: reaction was he was certainly on board on January 6th. He went to the Stop the Steal rally. He marched down to the Capitol with all the other insurrectionists. He was on the wall. He had an earpiece. in. we know through his Facebook post that he uh, was directing other insurrectionists where to go. He had breached the barricades. He may not have gone inside, but he was very much a part of the mob that... Yeah, seriously injured 150 police officers that day, five of whom lost their lives and did destruction to the Capitol, and more importantly, tried to overturn a legitimate election through force of arms. And we're talking Civil War time, folks, I mean, when we're talking about those terms. And so I still think he needs to come clean on that. And I was surprised during the course of the campaign last year how few people knew about the extent of his involvement. And that was an unfortunate shortcoming in the campaign. I think if more people had known, uh, he may not have had the support at the end of the day.
1: Was that because the Democratic Party simply didn't invest the necessary resources to get the kind of messaging out that you would have liked to see?
2: Yeah, I mean, Brad Papp would have been a terrific representative for the district. He was outspent five to one, again, in part through Kevin McCarthy's PAC machine, all that independent expenditure money coming in to attack Brad nonstop for months. And it was a one-sided communication. I think if we had, if there were more resources pointing out what Derek Van Orden was involved in on January sixth, uh, we could have very well had a different outcome. As it was, you know, Brad lost by a little under four percent now, having been outspent five to one, which is unheard of. So. Uh, yeah, Mr. Van Orden, I think has to try a different approach if he's going to be an effective representative for our third congressional district.
0: Well, and it looks like he—if you—if you read the Milwaukee Journal story today, it looks like that. We'll see. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Derek Van Orden. We're speaking with retired U.S. House Rep. Ron Kind. A very jolly uh, conversation we're having. <laughs> we need it's, to lighten things up. Well, we're we're not gonna because yeah. now I want to just recap because you were on with us two years ago at after. Yeah. I think maybe as things kind of settle down on the Capitol or maybe where you got settled, where you felt more, more secure, you could talk uh, in the five o'clock hour with us. Can you just kind of recap your experience during January 6th, 2021?
2: Yeah. You know, I was uh, going to be reading the defense of Wisconsin's electoral vote on the house floor. And so I was waiting for that to be challenged. And that's when I saw one of the security officers come in talking in his sleeve, which is always a bad sign. Asked them what was happening. And I said, well, the protesters are breaching the barricades and they're, descending on the Capitol, and some have entered the Capitol. And he started pushing his credenza towards the door, and I was helping him. And I turned to him and said, you know, do you have an extra gun on you? Because I know how to use guns. And he looked at me and said, sir, that would not be a good idea. And he was exactly right. That wasn't the time to start arming us members of Congress. But since I was on the House floor, I was able to slip out one of the side doors and get down into the tunnels and back to my office in the Longworth office building. So I had a feeling that the the uh, the mob was only interested in the Capitol building itself, so I was able to escape. But my colleagues up in the House gallery, they couldn't because they were completely surrounded up there, and so they were stuck in that House chamber for a couple of hours until a secure passage was uh, was had for them to go down into a secure room in the basement of the Capitol. But it was um, a touch and go. I, I mean, uh, the fact that they were out looking for the vice president at the time. They were out screaming Nancy Pelosi's name. I give Capitol Hill Security a lot of credit that there wasn't more death and destruction uh, that day. And I'm not uh, overstating the case.
0: We we obviously had a January 6th House committee investigating this uh, for quite a while, and they just disbanded. So the investigation with them is over. I don't know. Uh, you know, it continues through the White House. But what, did you, what were your takes from the the January sixth house committee, I mean, do you do you expect any action here after after the fact?
2: Well, first of all, they did a tremendous job of collecting the evidence through countless uh, depositions and statements from witnesses that were in the room when decisions were being made. It was a bipartisan commission with Representative Cheney and Kissinger participating, uh, and I give them a lot of patriotic credit for the stance they took, which cost them their political careers in the Republican Party. But it all, all fingers were pointing to the commander-in-chief, the president. He's the one who summoned the mob that instigated the riot, that came up with the big lie that he wouldn't let go, even though everyone was telling him that there was no truth or no evidence of any election fraud. And he kept perpetuating it and stirring people up and pointed that loaded gun at the Capitol and said, go get him." And uh, I'm hoping that the Department of Justice now takes serious the evidence that has been uncovered and look at possible charges from his inner circle to uh, the ex-president himself.
0: Um, All right, let's move on a little bit. Like, let's you're retired now and we we've established I think on Wednesday I established that you're not getting a paycheck so <laughs> you're officially retired but but Tregoski came in here a couple of weeks ago you know and we like to right after you're elected ask you know are you retiring and we did predict that Rob we by like the way. to stir things up here right right away when you got elected I think the first question we asked you was are you going to retire uh, which was great two years early. But but what is the next plan? flow of rumors you're going to be uh, Joe Biden's right-hand man. We're hearing man. some things. We're hearing some things. But you're, no, but you're really – it sounds like you might go work in the White House. I have a texter asking if you're just going to go hunting and fishing all day or maybe, you know, a lot of you retired congressmen go become lobbyists.
2: Well, you know, I have always had a passion. I've been a big bow hunter and love the fishing on the Mississippi. And I'm looking forward to doing more of that. But first and foremost, Tawny's got a bucket list. After 28 years, when you think about the first two years of campaigning for the seat – uh, things that she wants to do. So it's uh, just tremendous sacrifice that she and the family made all this time with me running back and forth to Washington and around the congressional district nonstop. But, but no, I, I think I've mentioned publicly that the White House has been in touch with me about a couple of uh, issues that they may need some help on. Those conversations are ongoing. I'm not at liberty to discuss details other than one decision that's already been made. I was in the running to be special envoy to Northern Ireland. There's a major trade fight between the U.K. and the European Union over the protocol that came from Brexit. And we're trying to avoid that trade war between our two closest allies, the U.K. and the E.U., and that still needs to be resolved. But uh, to, to Biden's credit, he chose a Kennedy over kind. Uh, go figure, for an Irish <laughs> posting. So Joe Kennedy is going to be going uh, instead of me, and, and he'll be just a rock star over there, as you can imagine. The Kennedy family is just uh, on hallowed ground uh, in Ireland. So I've been in conversations with him about... Bringing them up to speed on these trade issues, and but uh, we'll keep you guys posted.
0: Now, is anything in Ireland on Tawny's bucket list? What does this bucket list entail? Let's go. Let's break this down for a minute.
2: <laughs> well, I think you have to ask her, but she does have a count of, of items that she's been looking forward to doing. If we have a little more flexibility Wait, with our time, it is looks this, like we're, we're going to now. Is this a uh, honey to know, do? If, if I was still in Congress, I'd be on the House floor right now. Actually, they're going back in tonight at 10 o'clock because the speaker race is unresolved. Chances are they'll be in all weekend. And, uh, yeah, this this has gone on too far. I think the the small contingents made their point that they can hold McCarthy and others hostage at any moment that they care. uh, But they do need to find some consensus so we can move on and get the committees up and going. And start doing the work of the nation again
0: look at the political gamesmanship i ask him a, a real you know deep diving question what's on the bucket list and he goes back to the u.s house of representatives not being able to select the speaker Ron Kine, all right is it a honey to-do list is that what it is you gotta you gotta fix the leaky sink you gotta i don't know build a shed is that what it is
2: well <laughs> well you know we do have a family farm just north of lacrosse and and you know farms there's always work to be done from fence lines that need to be fixed and tending to the fields and whatnot so i'm I'm looking forward to being able to do a little bit more of that but uh now there's some traveling that tony has certainly wanted to do and i I agree with their parts of the world we haven't been to yet um and also a family that uh we'll be able to pay more attention to one of my sons just came home for christmas he was uh he's an infantry commander in the marine corps now he was in haiti for a security mission which is a very dysfunctional country uh right now it's a mess uh and so but he was able to get home in time uh, you know things things like that we're looking forward to having more time to do
1: ron one final thing um for kind of national democrats if you're trying to persuade national democrats to put more resources into this part of the state into the third district what's your pitch to them uh, next time around
2: Well, that rural America is still achievable. We have a tremendous message to deliver to people living in rural communities, from farm policy to infrastructure to broadband to health care. I mean, these are things that all families care about. And it's the Democratic Party that in recent years have been advancing that agenda. And you look at what the Republican Party has stood for. It's been resistance. It's been um, opposition. It's been January 6th. And now it's been uh, incapable of choosing their own speaker in the majority. I mean, if that's all that they're willing to offer, then uh, my message to the National Democratic Party is show up. Listen, be respectful, and uh, take away what you're hearing from people in our rural communities. And I'm convinced you can find a lot of common ground, bipartisan ground, uh, to work on uh, together. So, but you need to show up. and You need to be willing to make that commitment. Unfortunately, in the last campaign, they really didn't on behalf of Brad. And Brad was former Ag Secretary in Wisconsin, FSA Director. He's a farm kid himself. Uh, He just oozes rural. Um, No one knew the challenges facing our rural communities better than Brad Path. And if he could have had more resources to get that message out, I'm confident it would have been a different election outcome.
0: That's retired U.S. House Rep. Ron Kind relieved he does not have to reconvene at 10 o'clock in the U.S. House of Representatives (laughs) to, to just, what would you say, Ron? Do you just stand up and go, Hakeem Jeffries, and then sit down? Is it kind of just that, and you do that 12 times?
2: Yeah, I mean, when Kevin McCarthy spent hundreds of millions of dollars attacking uh, these Democrats now, it's a little unrealistic to expect them to be voting for him or for anyone else uh, in the Republican Party. So, yeah, Hakeem is a bright, young, articulate, smart uh, new leader for our party. I was happy to see that generational change take place. uh, As much as uh, Speaker Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn were able to accomplish when they were in leadership, they were all in their 80s, and it was time have that passing of the baton, and, and now the new generation stepped up, and I'm very optimistic uh, about what they uh, can do for our country and the type of leadership they're going to provide. All right, Ron, thanks a lot. Hey, anytime, guys. You take care now. Go Pack Go. All right, <laughs> right got to
1: take a break. As a Vikings fan, I disavow that oh, last comment. <laughs> we got to take a break now <laughs> for sure.
0: This was like the
1: song. Oh yeah, this is 90s pump-up music. When, when, yeah, that's right. Uh, jock jams. jock Remember that? Jam. Remember that? Remember oh, that CD? I had all of the Jock Jam CDs.
0: <laughs> Let's begin. Party on party people. <laughs> I got the words now. I haven't sung this song in probably 25 years. 6087857914 we're getting wonderful texts. I probably
1: wore out a couple of Jock Jam CDs. <laughs>
0: And then they turn into coasters. After that, no, yeah. that's the AOL uh, Internet. Oh yeah, the thirty-minute free internet CDs that we use. This to- coasters uh, just got finished uh, with an interview for, with. It's hard to it's hard to just say former like, congressman. Re- yeah, former congressman Ron Kind, retired congressman Ron mm-hmm. Kind, uh, maybe still a congressman Ron Kind until we we pick a House Speaker because until we pick a House Speaker, we don't actually have a Congress. Uh, which he kind of alluded to, uh, made some jokes about, but also alluded to that it's not a great, uh, you know, it's around the world that having everyone look at the, like, oh, they can't even pick. That was House an speaker. interesting
1: take that he had, Rick, where Ron Kind was focusing on how the optics optics the in the House of Representatives, the situation with the Speaker of the House vote affects how other countries view the United States. What perspective is he taking there? Because. I I think we're all learning
0: as a country ourselves, like citizens, we're all learning about, oh, oh, this is a thing we do. And it's just gone without a hitch for literally 100 years. Right. And nobody's ever Tim Dale uh, a couple days ago alluded to your students when they come back to school. And what in a month, Uh, you know, you're going to have you're going to have like you're going to, you know, uh, put your hands together. Oh, I've got all kinds of lessons now that my students are going to be engaged because of this this house situation that we've never thought
1: about before. Well, Rick, bad news for them. It's actually only two weeks instead of a month. Oh, okay, <laughs> uh, But you're absolutely correct that I think this is generating a lot of interest in politics. And what's happening big picture is that a lot of things that were routine in American government are no longer routine. And that holds for elections, that holds for different elements of the campaign it also holds for this event in congress voting for the speaker of the house we see in wisconsin a lot of things that were routine are no longer routine like holding confirmation votes for the appointees of the governor i think that has generated a lot of curiosity about politics because people get the sense that things just aren't how they used to be in american government that a lot has changed in american government and the norms of american government are really changing things that used to be the norm are no longer the norm yeah governor tony evers had like some
0: 150 appointees well that over just, 100 that just didn't get confirmed like hey you have your team here's your team oh we're not actually gonna uh, like assign those players to your team uh we're just gonna we haven't met in session i've learned now that while republicans set the calendar for the next two years well they they put a nine-month hole in last year's calendar so they could go home and campaign. They, they cut it by a month and a half. It's only like an eight-month hole. It was a nine-and-a-half-month hole. Now, in, in for eight months in 2024, our, 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 our Assembly and our Senate will not have anything to do. There's no
1: session. I thought it was a really interesting conversation that you had with Jill Billings and Steve Doyle, two of the local representatives, about if they should spend more time in session the the wisconsin state government and two weeks ago path same deal he
0: was pretty disappointed in that
1: yeah you know one take is that when politicians are in campaign mode they just can't do their work that they're just so focused on the campaign they're so focused on the election that things get silly things get goofy and it's a very unproductive time with a lot of public relations instead of serious governing but The other point of view on that is that we have a full-time legislature, and full-time should mean full-time. And right now, we have a full-time legislature in name only. We don't have a full-time legislature in practice. Even if it was part-time
0: or full-time, there shouldn't be an eight-month out of – there's only 12 months. There shouldn't be an eight-month window where – and if you're going to make that eight months, it shouldn't be at the end of your term – because if you're meeting in committee and you're doing all your work for co- your constituents and you learn all these things that you need to get done as a politician, I'm in the Senate, I'm in the Assembly, I'm for eight months, I'm either campaigning or I'm ta- – say, they say they go home and do their work, they, they talk to their constituents, and
1: then you lose your election, then what was that eight months that we paid you for? Yeah, Rick, and it's really important that people are paying attention to Wisconsin government right now during the budget process, but – Will people actually pay attention and will people maybe pay more attention to what's going on in Wisconsin politics when it's a bit too late, when the election is already coming up? So people pay different levels of attention to politics at different times. They tend to pay the most attention to politics right around elections. But if that's when no governing is actually happening, then – I don't know if that's necessarily useful or desirable. So I did agree with Steve Doyle's perspective on this, that as a full-time legislature, they should act like a full-time legislature. They should not leave when they are campaigning. They should not stop going to Madison and governing, even if they're campaigning, that they have to be able to do both. Because people are engaged in politics during the campaign. People are paying attention to politics during the campaign. And so... They should be governing during the campaign while people are actually paying attention. I, yeah, Bill, I, found yeah. That, I found that point by Doyle to be a good one. And Billings' take on it, and Doyle disagreed with But her, I also do see where she's coming well, Billing, from. Though. Yeah,
0: Billings said, you know, we can't be passing legislation during the campaign because then we're passing legislation to get voted. And yeah. my, my take is like, okay, well, there's, there's one way to do this we, if we, we have the budget surplus. You know, four years ago, we gave $100 checks. Maybe we, we shouldn't maybe— send just $100 checks or do something that's very temporary just to get reelected. But, but long-term things, we could be passing legislation on that stuff and, oh, you're going to pass legislation on stuff or you're going to vote on stuff that's popular with your voting base and that's going to get you reelected.
1: That's probably how it should work. Yeah, you should do stuff that's popular with the people that voted for you because that's why they voted for you. I definitely do see where Representative Billings is coming from, that when you get closer to the election, the public relations stunts increase and people start to make decisions on policy that are a lot more related to the election than maybe serious governing goals. They start to get into what she called silly season and start to be more attuned to how something will play in the press as opposed to if it's a good public policy. So I I understand where she's coming from there. But I guess my retort then would be, I mean, if we shouldn't govern around campaign season, then this should not be a full-time legislature. It should be a part-time legislature. Well,
0: And we, you know, Doyle and I have talked about it. It's the culture war legislation, absolutely, the the banning critical race theory, stuff like that. The stuff
1: that plays well during the campaign. But they did that. So, you know,
0: they just did it in mid-March and then took the rest of the time off to go, hey, look, look, for 10 months, they go, hey, look, I, I banned critical race theory. Vote for me so
1: you know like it's it's all relative that's a great point that it is the more culture war stuff the stuff that gets people riled up it's not the boring details of the state budget boring details that are also extremely important okay let's get to that because the budget there's
0: a budget surplus 6.6 billion dollars now it's
1: going to be right around seven we just got that update that it's it's going to be more like seven yeah
0: it's going to go up every time and um because nothing's changed like we're still spending money and in the Corporations are getting taxed because we're just buying stuff. We're not going to stop buying stuff, but Republicans kind of want to use. If it, Republicans had their dream, they would use the budget surplus to pass a flat tax because you got to balance. Because you're going to lose down the road, the flat tax is going to be a disaster for funding state government or funding. Yeah, the the state states governments because the municipalities as well. Um, so they're trying to use this, but Robin Voss, can you set this? Can you set this clip up a little? Yeah, bit?
1: Rick. So Robin Voss is the Assembly Speaker, the most powerful Republican in Wisconsin state government, and a lot of the Democratic Party's talking points about the flat tax involve how this could benefit the wealthy. That if you lower taxes for everyone, then the most substantial reductions would come for the wealthiest earners in Wisconsin. So Robin Voss was trying to defend his party against these accusations that they want to use this tax reduction to benefit the wealthy.
2: Democrat state, having a discussion about our tax burden can help with our demographic challenges. And just to be clear, it's not about rewarding the wealthy, even though there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's about saying that if you're a retired couple and they decide where they're going to spend six months in a day, it should be Wisconsin, not Florida or Texas or Arizona or Tennessee, all places that have a significantly lower tax burden than Wisconsin, Three Democrat state.
0: We, we have to hear that again, right? That, that's just that one part, right? What, what did you say, Robin?
2: Traffic challenges. And just to be clear, it's not about rewarding the wealthy, even though there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And just to be clear, It's not about rewarding the wealthy, even though there is absolutely nothing wrong with that.
0: State government, we got
1: nothing wrong with rewarding the wealthy. Okay, thanks, Robin. Rick, it's a different tone than we normally hear from Republicans. A lot of times Republicans say, look, we shouldn't punish the wealthy. That's what they say. And so they kind of go after the Democrats for punishing success. That if you raise taxes on the rich, you're punishing people for being successful. But punishing. People for being wealthy versus rewarding people for being wealthy is different. And this is a different type of tone than we're used to hearing. This idea that we should reward the wealthy. It's not something that we typically hear in politics. Normally, again, we hear rhetoric surrounding how Democrats want to punish success.
0: It looks like he's reading notes. Did he just (laughs) did he write rewarding and go because because now he's going, ah. I meant to say. Popular.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's certainly an unusual thing for a politician to say. I haven't heard a politician. Let's think phrase of, things quite like this before. Let's think
0: of other ways we can reward wealthy people. Hmm. Well, like, what could we do? It's just like just think about it. I don't have any examples because I haven't thought about it. But um, let's reward the wealthy like, oh, wait, they're already wealthy. And I don't know if we need to reward anybody, but we could we could you know there there is a way to to help people that need help but wealthy people don't need it would be it would be like robin voss saying we got to figure out a way to help wealthy people i mean that's you know we we don't hear that we got to figure out a way to help the lower class we got to help figure out a way to help the middle class we don't need to figure out a way to either help wealthy people or reward them. So,
1: Rick, I think it shows that Republicans are still trying to get their footing surrounding how they will communicate their desire to have a flat tax, that this was a bit of a clumsy way of phrasing things. And so Republicans may be on the defensive a bit surrounding this flat tax plan. They may have to find a different way to sell this to the public. Certainly, Governor Evers and the Democrats are going to be more than eager to take advantage of these comments from Speaker Voss and other Republicans to try to make the case that this tax plan would benefit the wealthy. We do know that Governor Evers is pushing for a tax cut, but would keep the general premise of the income tax in place where the more you make the higher percentage, you pay a progressive tax system. So governor Evers kind of wants to keep that in place. We know that Republicans very much had their eye on a flat tax if they had won the race for governor and they obviously did not. So, I don't know how far this talk about a flat tax is going to get or what the strategy is, but certainly the Republicans are trying to figure out how to sell this to the public.
0: We got to figure out a way to get that $6.6 billion budget surplus into the pockets of the wealthy so it we could trickle down to those in the lower and middle class. It's not often I so a secret of using a computers you hit control F and then type it's find and then you type the word you want to find a lot of times I'll I'll grab a story and just control F dollar sign because I want to know what the thing costs, you know what whether it's a city issue or a state issue. Um but not a lot of times do I control F and type the word butter. <laughs> and I had to do that here because uh, there we have two weird stories as we wrap up here with La lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Jygowski. One is our Wisconsin DNR having to clean up a bunch of butter that got into the sewer. Uh, at a butter factory, apparently, and the other one is is more. This one's more yours. Uh, th- th- something about uh, not, we're not. Not only are we fighting about U.S. House Speaker, and we're going to reconvene at ten o'clock tonight, and it sounds like we might get it done because a lot of the votes, sounds like it. You know, because why? Why Friday night, ten p.m. Friday night news dump. the, yeah. the, the dumps of dumps because in, in D.C. it's ten p.m. It'll be nine p.m. here, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it'll be the dump of news dumps. Hopefully, everyone went home. I feel like they. Sh- Do they want a Friday news dump where they elect McCarthy as speaker? Or would that be better off not a Friday news dump for Republicans?
1: I think it depends if Republicans view it as good news, like a triumph that they elected Kevin McCarthy speaker. Or if they say, look, this was pretty rough. Let's just move on and hope no one really remembers this.
0: Because by Monday, it'd be like, oh, they they did elect a speaker last week. You know, that's how (laughs) it will be. Oh, oh, so all the turmoil was nothing. But, but along with the U.S. House, is this a U.S. House story?
1: It is. Oh. Anna Paulina Luna, a member of the House of Representatives, just elected from the state of Florida. Of course, this is a Florida story, right? Oh,
0: a Florida woman story. <laughs> Florida woman story. Wait, is it a woman story or is it someone accusing – is it is she caught up in a Florida man
1: story? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, she, according to a story from the Daily Beast, is back home in her conservative Florida district, waging a very different kind of war than the one we are seeing on the floor of the House of Representatives to elect the speaker, she is waging a legal fight with political enemies who say she is a literal witch. A letter obtained by the Daily Beast reveals that the Florida Republican retained a high-powered law firm to go after a would-be rival who leveled a series of outlandish allegations against Luna on the Bubba the Love Sponge radio show in the fall.
0: <laughs> it's just me. All I'm taking from this is I need to rename the show. But Rick, the love spot, uh, something, not that. But <laughs> I mean, it's got to have. I guess uh, Richard. I think I. Well, Ron called me Ricardo. Did you Ricardo, get that? Did yeah. you hear that one?
1: Matt Tito, who is a pal of Roger Stone, who has considered challenging Representative Luna in a primary election. Well, they have demanded that he apologize for saying that Miss Luna practices witchcraft. So. He's got to do it, or maybe he'll face a lawsuit. This is one of them stories where, you, you know, we get the—
0: we get the bullet points, we get the highlights, but I want to know what is she practicing? Yeah, like, like w- What is the witchcraft? Which aspects of witchcraft is she accused of doing? Anytime I think witchcraft, I just go to like Monty Python, Holy Grail. Have you seen that mo- <laughs> yeah, movie where they yeah. kind of they try to figure out if she's a witch or not? And the, the, the way you do that didn't, doesn't actually work. Or she weighs more than a duck or something like that.
1: So in addition to the Kevin McCarthy speaker battle, also be sure to watch if Anna Paulina Luna is found practicing witchcraft during her time in Congress.
0: All right, we always do this. I give, I'm going to give myself like 30 <laughs> seconds to try to, to break down the butter story. Uh, the, a butter factory, I'm just going to say a butter factory, uh, a fire started there. So what happens when butter gets hot, it melts. So butter melted and then went into the stu- sewers and then got out of the factory through the sewers. And what happens when in, in winter when, oh, no. when, when butter yeah. gets yeah. O- outside oh, the God. factory, outside no. the fire, then butter gets hard. And it becomes the stick of butter again. So they Ah. had basically, so the DNR has got to go essentially uh, clean up sticks of butter. If you ask my little brother when he was like like two years old, I mean, just send little babies in there because my little brother would eat. He literally, I remember him literally eating a stick of butter. I am not going to try to find that out with my daughter.